0: It's witchcraft.
1: (laughs) Hey there, all you paranormal witchy ghost story fans. Welcome to the Stoned Witches Hour, where every moment is 420 a.m. On this podcast, two best friends separated by several states of the USA tell each other true-ish paranormal tales of creepy ghosts, elusive cryptids and haunting true crime all while smoking the dankest weed in the land telling the creepiest tales and bringing the sweetest herb i'm layla and smoking whatever i can find i'm
0: shell (laughs) you gotta start growing shell i've been telling you for years but you can't keep anything alive i can only keep cats and kids alive if it ain't kids and cats it comes to my house to die
1: yeah, if it's green, she kills it. It's pretty yeah. true. But I'm almost positive I could get you to grow some really fine, sticky, icky weed.
0: I, you know, I'm so meticulous about certain things in my life. And when it comes to plants, all of that OCD goes out the window and I just can't get shit <laughs> alive. And, as you know, I've even tried to grow before and it was like the most heartbreaking epic fail.
1: That's true. That's true. Despite your surprising best efforts, usually you don't get as far as that with plants. I know. Plants. So the fact that you got it as big as you did, I, I have to count that as a win. Cats and kids, man. That's all I can do. Cats and kids. <laughs> so what are you smoking today, Shell, since
0: it's not homegrown, obviously? Have you been back to Happy Valley lately? You know, I am actually going after we record today. So I will be headed out there later this afternoon. So I'm still at the moment, still toking on some friend weed. So I'll be wrapping up my friend weed later today and and, and I'll be traveling up to Happy Valley.
1: And as you know, last episode was my birthday. It was. It was. And one of the things my wonderful husband got me was
0: a couple grams of dabs. I was just going to say, I had to, I just wanted to point out to our listeners, I just noticed this. So Layla's talking with a torch in her hand. And I'm yeah. like, it's got
1: a torch. It's a little mini torch. It's about six inches tall. We're not talking any type of big blowtorch like your son in law was using there. Lord. <laughs> no wonder you were afraid of dabs. Right?
0: Talk about light grass and fire.
1: If someone's pulling out a full-size blowtorch, I would also be scared of dabs. Nope. This is a little, it's bigger than like a kitchen torch, but smaller than a blowtorch. My husband is here today. He's going to be heating up our dab rig for me. So you're going to hear the blowtorch in the background. It's
0: like a rocket, man. You know, I just got to tell you a real quick story. Everybody looks online. We all love our little Instagram posts. So I'm on Instagram. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm scrolling through and there was this site and what caught my eye is it had tarot cards in the front and it looked like it had a crystal ball. And this one that's right up our alley. Right. And this woman is like doing all this stuff in front of the crystal ball with her hands, and has her nails done real pretty. And I'm watching it. I'm like, Ooh, look at the tarot cards. Look at the crystal ball. And I look a little closer and she pulls her hands away. It wasn't a crystal ball. It was a bong. Oh, awesome. Really right up our alley. How fun is that? No, seriously. It looked exactly like a crystal ball and it even had the base on it attached to the the glass part. And then right on the edge, it just had the little hitter piece. And then on the other end of the ball, it just had a little opening and a little hole flush to the crystal ball. And you sucked the smoke through the crystal ball.
1: (laughs) I loved it. I love that too. That sounds amazing.
0: I want one. You know, I know me and glass. I've always got to get the pretty glass. But the fact that they made it look like a crystal ball, it was perfect. It was totally our thing. We both should have one. Definitely. <sighs> so what kind of dabs are you smoking? Because you look like you're enjoying them a lot. <laughs> These are fantastic.
1: I have some pink sugar spelled with a z Ooh. and some grapefruit sour. Ooh, I love dabs because you really get the terpenes, the taste. You know how sometimes when you you get weed and you you're like it's called, you know, grapefruit blah blah blah, but it tastes nothing like grapefruit, right? A lot of times dabs will have some of that taste, they will have some of that flavor, whether added later as terpenes or if you're lucky just fresh pressed right from the live plant.
0: I just want to be honest with everybody for a moment. Layla is going to be cutting out some major coughing because she loves her dabs and she loves to cough to get off. (laughs) It's true. And I also don't want you all to have to listen to me as I cough. (laughs) I'm just laughing.
1: But these are so, so good. And like we talked last time, a lot of times the
0: THC levels on these will be up in the 90%. I wanted You were talking about terpenes, and I just wanted to say that I feel like dabs don't have that weedy smoky flavor that they actually have flavor not to equate it to food, but dabs have flavor. Weed just sometimes it just tastes like weed, you know, like you can get the lemon strains that do taste citrusy and lemony, but weed tastes like weed smoke tastes like smoke, but dabs have flavor. Oh, they really do. It is
1: missing that combustion. You don't get quite as much of that burnt taste or that smoky taste And the other thing i like about dabs is if you're not using a torch or if you get used to it when you are using a torch you can control the temperature there are even some what's called an e-nail which will heat up the dab rig for you and you can set it to specific temperatures
0: why can't you use a bic lighter on dabs
1: because it won't get the the chamber that you're using to heat up the dab is basically it's a glass usually a quartz glass chamber kind of like a bowl on a bong and you heat that up and it holds the heat the glass in it and get actually red hot so you have to kind of know where that temperature is at the lower the temperature the more flavorful of a dab that you're going to get you those terpenes burn off at higher temperatures so a nice lower temperature is what they would call sometimes a terp slurp because you're getting a you lose a lot of product it's a little bit product wasteful but it's very very tasty and you get all of the THC and all of the terpenes.
0: Is that why you can't really smoke dabs in just like a regular glass pipe? Because it's That's just correct. Because
1: yes, it's you can smoke dabs a lot of times. My husband loves to make beautiful bowls. I think the the man was born to be a weed artist. I swear, he will take <laughs> a bowl and he'll pack. <laughs> I I don't know. He's such a
0: mathematical guy, but. He packs these gorgeous artistic bowls. He's like the weed packer, like the Starbucks guys who put the, the pretty shapes into your foam. He's, He's like that. the weed barista. Yeah, the weed barista.
1: Yeah, and then he'll put a little bit of resin and some hash on top and make it look all pretty. You can put resin and dab, different types of dabs on your bowl and smoke it that way. Your lighter will absolutely get you there. It'll burn it off and you'll get the THC and the taste from it. You just get more of it from a dab rig.
0: The reason I ask, and you know, if you want more information on my thoughts and feelings on this particular product, you're going to have to take yourselves way back to like episode three or four, folks. But... One of the stores locally here to me did a thing last year for Valentine's Day. And boy, am I hoping that they are doing it this year for Valentine's Day, because I'll be checking that out. It's not Happy Valley, but still, this particular product, I'm in love. I am on the lookout for rose petal joints, man. Rose petal joints, how'd you know? I remember, I'm so jealous. They do use a rose petal paper on the insides, what makes it super special is they actually put dabs in the weed when they roll it. So you're getting like a booster. I mean, yeah, you're going to pay $20 for a one grand pre-roll, but it's like doing a dab and smoking a joint all in one. And I do love the,
1: the joint artistry too. And you can find them all over Instagram where someone will pack a cone joint and then wrap it with the wax and make beautiful designs on the outside of the paper. So you can do it on the inside or the outside. Put it on your bowl, put it in your joint. It's an amazing booster. With this, partic-
0: for, with this particular store, they did it on the inside because the draw was the rose petal paper for Valentine's Day. But yeah, inside, outside, either way, good shit. So uh, she's going to be looking to obtain some of that here very quickly. Probably my
1: favorite vape of all time was when I first discovered vapes. It was a company in California called Mother Earth, and they had a limited edition rose water flavor. And I absolutely adored that flavor. And they're gone. The company is gone. I can't find them anymore. But rose petals as a joint, it's such a delicate, nice flavor. That when Valentine's rolls around, I'm going to buy out the rose petal joints of every single dispensary I can find. Because they're that good.
0: I love them. I just, I just like the, I don't even know if it really had any difference in flavor. Do you think the rose petal paper really added flavor or anything other than (laughs) ambiance?
1: If it's just a pink paper, no. But if it's an actual rose petal paper
0: with actual rose petals. Yeah, this was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this one.
1: I do. There is a light rose taste to it that I enjoy.
0: This was actual rose petal papers. Um, I would say it was like more like a white, like a clearish parchment papery type thing. And it had rose petals imprinted on parts of the paper. So it was more like paper that was created with
1: shredded rose petals. I'm looking for the ones that are actual rose petals layered. Oh. Yeah. You should look for those, Shell. Look for those. It's a nice, it's a lot of rose petal and it's a nice, it's a nice flavor. I think I, what I remember from that Valentine's Day episode, Shell, is that those joints hit you like a freaking truck.
0: <laughs> they did, and I'm actually I'm actually scrolling on their website right now to see if they have them.
1: I think the the selling point was when the bud tender told you, "Oh, be careful! You should only get one because you're going to end up spending the entire night on the couch." And I so think you got afraid. three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't threaten me with a good time. That's right. <laughs> I hope you can find those again. Let me know if you do. I will. I'll (laughs) let everybody know if I can, man. I was loving those.
1: So despite getting really, really high, we are talking about some pretty amazing things tonight. And it turns out we are both in the same state today.
0: You know, actually, I just want to say our friend Kay, one of our listeners, Uh, we talked about last episode. She had inquired about us potentially chatting about the Ashmore Estates in Illinois. So I'm going to Illinois too. This is going to be an Illinois episode, guys. Yeah, I am going to
1: Chicago, Illinois, to the very first serial killer in the United States.
0: Ooh, wow. See, when I think Chicago, I think Al Capone. Well,
1: yeah, I see. I almost did a story on Al Capone, but no. So we're going actually to the murder
0: house, which is in Chicago, Illinois, or was. Well, Ashmore Estates is in the town of Ashmore, Illinois. I don't know. It's really weird because I found in one place it was called Ashmore, Illinois. Then I found another place where it was called Charleston Township. All I can really tell you is it's about an hour out of Chicago.
1: So what's going on with all these places that are right outside of Chicago? Because last week I did Bachelor's Grove Cemetery,
0: which is right outside of Chicago. Not only is the question, what's going on with Illinois? The question is, why are we drawn to Illinois? (laughs) (laughs) What is
1: up with that? So those of you in Illinois, what's going on? Is there a Bigfoot convention there? Is The UAPs, UFOs all being there? What is up in Illinois?
0: I don't know. Maybe that spy balloon is floating over there. At the moment. <laughs> maybe Who it's knows? not a spy balloon. Maybe it's a Bigfoot UFO thing. You know, I laugh. I'm on the landing flight path and the takeoff flight path, actually, off the Logan Airport. And <laughs> so we'll see planes coming in at all different times of day and night, different elevations and stuff. I'll be outside having a cigarette and I'll see a weird light in the sky. And I'll say to my boyfriend, I'm like, it doesn't look like a plane. So it's gotta be a UFO. They're here. <laughs> They're <a> UFO. <laughs> I love that. And he'll be like, it is not a UFO. I go, does that look like a plane? He's like, not really. And I'm like, yep, then UFO. Do UFO. You know hundred percent. I don't understand how he does
1: not see that logic. Exactly. I'm, pff, bad boyfriend. Exactly. I mean, come on.
0: It's obviously a UAP. Exactly. Exactly. Just like Bigfoot's real, but, you know, he challenges me on that too. Different episode. What? What?
1: (laughs) Do I need to come back out there and have a discussion with your man?
0: You might have to. And, you know, um, we actually, we have a a follower on Instagram. They follow us. We follow them. um, Squatch Watch. Hey, Squatch
1: Watch. How's it going?
0: love you and so last night you know we're arguing about bigfoot again and i'm using Squatch watch as my my defense because they were posting videos um of some there are videos videos. boyfriend like and i told him i said look even Squatch watch has videos so (laughs) there
1: absolutely there are pictures and videos and we have told many many stories of sightings and examples and i told one where there were two two Sasquatch bodies were retrieved and taken away by men in black. So, obviously true. The truth is out there. The truth is out there.
0: So, I just want to jump into this Ashmore Estates.
1: Asylums are right up your alley. I hate those
0: fuckers. (laughs) They're so scary. I feel like they're all the same. It's, you know, I don't want to be like Debbie Downer about this, but I feel like all of these stories have the same beginning, middle, and end. Um, It's just the only difference is the location and maybe some specific type of activity going on. Let me see if I can sum it up. Beginning, places created with the best of
1: intentions that are actually horrific, terrible things that people can do to each other. Check. Place gets overcrowded and under bad management. Check. So everything goes out of hand, shuts down. Check. After... Huge horrific things are discovered to have taken place there and becomes abandoned and then is rife with ghosts.
0: Check what I you forgot. For, you forgot in the middle of the whole grand reopening after the oh, initial closing. Yes. You, you forgot that second grand reopening where That's the story right. starts all over again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's true. A lot of them did do that. They had a second life as something else, sometimes with just as shitty of an outcome before it became abandoned.
0: Good if point. Worse. Good point. Okay. Worse. My bad. yeah
1: right i forgot that part asylums are your thing
0: (laughs) and you know as you can imagine as all of my asylum stories start this one happened in the mid-1800s it's when it was built
1: man not a good time to be alive my story is also in the mid-1800s it probably around the same time
0: no shit so what you're telling me is the mid-1800s it was not cool to be living in illinois No, I would not have lived there if you had paid me at the time. After you hear my story, you would not want to be anywhere near there. So this place was built like in 1850s. And as a lot of these asylums started, it was built as a poor farm. Like a lot of my other stories, this kind of is the same thing. It was built for where the government would house folks who didn't have anything. Right alms houses some places were called alms houses actually this was referenced as an alms house yes the college
1: where we originally met on its grounds the nursing uh the nursing students
0: they call the alms house
1: those were originally had originally been alms houses for the poor
0: people in the area and now house the nursing students yep So this, this was actually the same exact thing. So from 1857 until 1869, it was actually a poor farm and it consisted of 260 acres. So as you can imagine, this was a huge, you know, a huge place. Yeah. It had the railroad crossing it, the Indianapolis and St. Louis railroad crossed the property. So that kind of, that leads to some, some of the ghosty things, which I'll get to. So they did have a guy that kind of ran the place and he was a jerk. They were called inmates.
1: Now- At the Alms House? So like the people that they were helping, they referred to like
0: they were jail prisoners? Correct. Oh, wow. So this guy that was running the thing during the time it was the poor farm, the superintendent Oliver D. Hawkins, he kind of tried to run it like a regimented jail. Basically, if you were too poor to take care of yourself, then I am now the boss of you. was a lot of times his...
1: they thought people were poor because of a moral failing. you know, they were a right. bad person or so maybe he had the idea that if he just gave them the discipline that they needed, right, that kind of thing, pull you up by your own
0: bootstraps. That was his attitude. Yeah. Um, very strict, like very drill sergeanty kind of mentality. okay like all of these places in that time did, they had a small cemetery for their burials on the north side of the grounds. And in 1879, they had already recorded 32 deaths amongst the estimated 250 quote unquote inmates. Oh, wow. Now you'd have to think a lot of that is probably
1: they were malnourished. Maybe they were ill and untreated. Maybe they were old, but a lot of those are probably deaths that just, you know, slipped through the cracks.
0: But then between 1870 and 1879, because it, uh, that guy was just a superintendent until until the, it ended as a quote unquote poor farm in 69. Do you think maybe he helped some of them kind of to be dead? Yeah, I think he did. But then it kind of turned into more of an asylum in 1870. Between 1870 and 1879, they were able to find between 60 and 100 more graves. In nine years? Correct. Wow. Now, they had the Commission of Public Charities visit the place in 1902. They said that due to what the inmates suffered from, heating by stove was sufficient. Now... I've never been to Illinois. I'm not going to lie, but they don't call Chicago the windy city because it's warm and sunny. Okay. <laughs> We've all seen snowstorms in Chicago. And like I said, when you look at the map, this looks like to be about an hour south of Chicago. So, like, I can't imagine in the northern United States heating by stove in these mass buildings. Not good. Like, how are you keeping it warm? What other than
1: torture could that have been? Like what is the point of that? Due to who they are, they only need gas stoves.
0: That was like, the what mentality. the fuck? No, that was the mentality that basically they weren't of a mental or physical class to really deserve it. Wow. So then luckily, uh <laughs> like I said, they said that the heating by the stove was sufficient. It was okay to not have a regular system of ventilation as long as they opened windows and there was no plumbing, and there was no fire protection. So imagine you have 250 residents and no plumbing. Wow. Like, can we even talk about bathroom issues? Wow, no bathrooms. Their ventilation is opening a window
1: in the middle of winter. Their heat is a stove. No fire protection? Were they trying to get this place to burn down?
0: And I don't know why they added this, but it says, as for the condition of the mentally ill... They stated that there was no special provisions for the insane. None are locked up or restrained. So they
1: were just in general population with everybody else.
0: So you could have um, an orphaned child housed with someone who is mentally and criminally insane. Yes.
1: Or a a woman who just a widowed woman on the street with no means of income Correct. with every type of criminal with a a rape criminally insane. Correct. Correct. Wow. Now, wow, scary place that asylums in that time were so fucking horrible. scary. Terrible, terrible place.
0: I don't care if you call it a poor farm. I don't care if you call it asylum. I don't care if you call it an almshouse. They were shitholes, okay? Total shitholes. Luckily, by 1911, the State Board of Charities condemned the almshouse because it had vermin infected walls, rough floors small windows, and improper ventilations, and that flies swarmed everywhere. And it was especially noticeable that the food that was prepared for the poor was especially swarmed with flies. So not only are they That's eating shit gross. food, but it's covered in flies. They don't care.
1: So they were just giving them like the worst of the worst, basically treating them like cattle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In 1915, they were awarded monies to basically construct new buildings and they create, they built a new almshouse. So they kind of were trying to, you know how the story goes, make good on it. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Basically they tore down all of the rat infested bullshit and built new and started from scratch again.
1: Well, at least there's that. At least they were trying to start fresh
0: but then that's when they brought in more mentally insane criminally insane that's when it kind of transitioned away from a poorhouse and more into like an insane asylum okay but let me just backtrack a second because i want to talk about one of the ghosts there well it was a poor farm during its poor farm days there was a a little girl her name was Elva Skinner, and she was five years old. Because remember, um, they didn't have orphanages and stuff back then. These orphans just went to the poor houses with the Yeah, adults. everybody went to the almshouse. Right. So this five-year-old girl, Elva Skinner, woke up one morning, is trying to get warmed by the fire, and she's getting dressed next to the fire. And because like I said, you know, some people had little fires in their room because there was really just that stove heating system.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, trying to stay warm was probably a full-time freaking job. Right. Who wouldn't have a little fire in their room to try and stay warm? Dangerous, but it's either that or freeze to death.
0: So on the morning of February 15th in 1880, five-year-old Elva Skinner woke up, got out of bed, started getting dressed by the fire, and her clothing ignited. Oh, no. These people didn't have adults looking after them, really. No, so they didn't
1: probably have water anywhere nearby either.
0: Right. So Elva Skinner burned to death in her room. That poor lady. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So she is one of the ghosts that is pointed out that that is seen, but I'll get to that in a few minutes. A death like that would definitely make an
1: imprint for sure.
0: But as you can imagine with the criminally insane and and, and the mentally ill, that they decided that that would also be a good testing facility. They did a lot of testing, the shock treatment and all that horrible, horrible stuff. That's terrible. Lobotomies and stuff. And like with every story like that, You know, such horrific tragedy. People didn't live through some of that stuff. They were doing testing. Apparently, this was a place in 1968. It still had 49 residents and they were doing testing on people with epilepsy. That's not even that long ago. No. I would imagine probably the folks that they were doing the epilepsy tests on, that wasn't pretty either. No, I imagine not. So as you can imagine, people died. There's some horrific deaths. Did they still bury them in that cemetery in the north? Yep. Yep. And then what they did was there were two cemeteries kind of right next to each other. It wasn't that they expanded it. They just kind of created a second cemetery a little ways down. So there's actually two, but there are some thoughts of like some just mass graves, just body dumping. You know, you got to figure a lot of these people didn't have any family. They didn't have any friends when they died. That was it. So they were just dumped. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, they, they would smoke their own bacon. Weren't a lot of those alms houses, like mini farms where they like worked people. You know, they had chickens, made their own butter. You know, they had cows, they made their own bacon. They, they had the pigs. And, you know, the they whole know. work will set you free and make us money. Yay. Right. But you know, there's also people who died while they were doing things like smoking bacon and, and smoking in the ham house. People died in like uh, uh, accidents with farming equipment yeah they didn't have OSHA at that time, no, um there was a story of a little girl that fell in like a well type structure that died. but here's where it gets a little weird. They closed the place down, and then all of a sudden, in nineteen ninety, okay, okay, thought sixty eight was recent so in nineteen ninety, they wanted to turn it into a mental health facility to treat teenage boys who were in the justice system. And actually, that was rejected by the town. They were like, hell no. So they were trying to utilize that building as a, I don't want to say a mental health facility because that's giving it way too much credit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, more like just like some type of like halfway house for bad kids.
0: Right. Troubled teens. Pretty much. Pretty much. They had used it for a little while around the 90s, um, late 80s, early 90s. To teach motor skills to developmentally disabled folks.
1: Okay. Wow, it's had a lot of different uses.
0: So in 1998, someone bought it, and their intention was to renovate the buildings into private homes.
1: And as we know, a lot of times when you start renovations, that's stirring when the you pot, st- man
0: stir the pot.
1: Yeah, you're stirring the pot. That's when the ghost stories start. So what right. started?
0: Well. They, it just says that they abandoned their plans. Mm, I wonder <laughs> why. And they only had to pay like 12,000 bucks for it. So that was in 98. So then finally in 2006, Scott Kelly and his wife purchased the Ashmore Estates and they began renovating it. Now, what they wanted to do is they wanted to create in what it is today we got to put this on our bucket list. They wanted to create a commercial haunted house. So they opened their commercial haunted house October 13th, 2006. In the off season, they offer overnight stays in the building under a program called Night of Insanity. Ooh. And they bring in featured speakers They and they have guests such as psychic mediums. There's some spooky shit though that goes on. So, that was, sounds
1: like a lot of fun though. I mean, that could be kind of cool.
0: It does, but I was watching this thing on YouTube and it, it it was it was a little scary. The title of it is The Night That Nearly Ended The Overnight Channel The Haunted Ashmore Estate. And like they interview like people that work on the property, they interview the people who own it. They do some, you know, people's experiences. Basically, you can rent Intriguing. it. Intriguing. I don't know if rent, it's the white word, but you can stay there for like a 12 hour overnight. Nice. So you can go do your own ghost hunting. You can only you can go do your own ghost hunting, but there's some weird shit like this is probably more so than maybe some of the other ones we've talked about. Like you can get touched. Oh, you can feel things whispering in your ear. They say that a lot of women feel like they're getting their hair pulled. Interesting. Do not be touching my hair. Right. People have walked out with scratches, oh, like no. actual scratches on their body. I know you don't like it when people start getting touched. I can see all of it. I can hear all of it. Keep your paws off me. Keep your paws off me. I don't care if you're real or invisible. Keep your paws off me. Right. These are touchy-feely ghosts. This is the place where if you want interaction, you need to go to this place because they're waiting to talk to you. All you have to do is basically say, is anybody there? And they come flocking to you and you're going to love it. They have a whole floor that's just orbs all the time.
1: Oh, yes, I would love it. I want to go take pictures there. Oh, how fun would that be?
0: But it's weird because it's like a three floor thing and the orbs are only on the top floor from what I've read. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Well, orbs are usually around areas of energy. So that just
1: might be the one area of energy.
0: Here's the bad part, and this may explain it. They kept all the offices in the basement, and they kept all of the worst people on the third floor so that when they were in their offices working, they didn't hear the screams. Ew. So I'm wondering is it because the people on the third floor were more tortured and tormented that that's why there's orbs more? that's possible I don't, know. I don't know
1: it could be where the it could be where most of the haunting is localized so that might be where most of the energy is and you know so that's why the orbs show up more
0: whose idea is it okay we're gonna hear them screaming and we got some work to do so why don't we put them way up here and we'll sit way down here so we just don't hear the screams god Ugh. forbid you attend to their needs right why not try to Where's fix that it? <laughs> oh
1: That's why I hate
0: asylums.
1: They're so terrible.
0: So you get any, you get the whole gamut. You're getting children playing. You're getting screams and cries. Mm -hmm. Um, You're getting people that want to hurt you. You're getting people that just want to interact with you because you're a physical body. Um, You'll get people talking to you, whispering in your ear, yanking on you, tugging you, throwing shit at you. One One guy said he had rocks thrown at him. Like you're getting the gamut of experience here. This sounds
1: like a really physical place. Like a lot of places are sights or sounds,
0: you know, you'll, you'll get your
1: EVPs. This is like things happening, stuff getting
0: thrown at you, getting touched, getting scratched. This is literally the things that go bump in the night place. Ooh, scary! And you know, it's really not that expensive,
1: <laughs>
0: but like everybody's. Been- well, hey, we can
1: hit up a lot of different places when we when we go to Chicago, man.
0: Right? Um, everybody's been here. Paranormal ghost hunters, Par- uh, the Paranormal Activity show, like all the shows, all of the shows you can think of have been here. Ghost Adventures even has a whole episode on it, which I actually watched. It was like, holy shit, we need to go there. Wow. But I definitely think that this is one that we should put on the bucket list. I want to experience some of it. Kind of, like I said, it's the gamut of things. You know, it seems like on the first floor, you're getting more of that childlike activity. The balls being thrown down, the rocking chairs rocking, um, hearing laughter, hearing playing and then the second floor is where there's a lot of crying, almost like crying at sadness, crying at loss, crying at pain. Mm, but then it's it scary. More, but on the third floor are more like the tormented screams. Wow, it's scratching.
1: so. How interesting that it's it's segmented by like experience like that.
0: Isn't that weird? And I think it. That's why I'm wondering if it was based on who was housed on those floors.
1: It sounds like it. It very well could be.
0: It's almost like the higher up you get, the more intense the physical interaction is. I mean,
1: honestly, that would make sense if they were trying to like keep their offices as far away from the screams. They would house the more violent, more likely to be loud people on the third floor. More
0: likely to scratch your ass. But there is a high percentage of guests that can't make it through the night. They just can't handle it. There are people who can't sleep when they go there. I don't know if I want to sleep. I'd want to experience it all. There's been times where people have spent the night and smelled smoke, and they think that that could be um, residual from Elva Skinner burning to death. Oh, wow. Yeah. There was one person that described it as a fleshy smoke smell, um, like they could smell her burning. There's been people who have described that they've seen a janitor walking the halls just mopping, and all he does is just walk and mop and whistled up and down the hall Um, But then, like I said, you're getting the ones that, you know, they're, they're horrifying, terrifying screams and the banging and the smashing. There's talk that like outside you can hear like the screams of people being killed by farm equipment and stuff like
1: that. So a lot of people, I mean, it sounds like a lot of people died here. Well, Not just were tortured here, but like. Died in terrible ways.
0: When it opened in the 1850s, and it didn't even legit, totally 100% close until like 1990. You know, this had a hundred or more years, like 140 years of activity. There's bound to be people, and then when when these people are tragically dying and being buried on site, some of them in mass graves, you've got to expect it. You've got to expect it. The only thing this place is missing at this point is an Indian burial ground. Wow. I mean, you know, these stories are, they're sad and unfortunately repetitive because this is just almost, the only thing I really found different was really the scratching. I mean, the shadows, you know, the light anomalies, hearing the things, you know, you kind of hear that in all of these asylum stories, but this one, there's a lot of touchy feely stuff that I think makes it different.
1: It's that physical aspect that really makes it really scary, like downright frightening.
0: Yeah. And and that's, I think, what makes me want to go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would want to go because of that. This one is a little bit more on a different level than some right. of the other ones because right. of that danger factor. You might leave with a scratch or a bruise right. or having... You know, if a rock's thrown at you, that's
0: that's pretty scary. Let's let's call a spade a spade. Like some of these ghosts do physically attack you. Yeah. And that is kind of different than some of the other asylums around the country that we've talked about.
1: Right. Getting an EVP that says your name is scary enough. But how bad is it to, to like actually get a scratch on your
0: back or be physically touched like that? So I have a question for our listeners. Okay, I'm talking to you specifically. Have you been to the Ashmore Estates? Like what? Like, I want to talk to somebody who's been there. Like, what the hell is up with this place? Because I'm very intrigued by the physical interactions. I'm very intrigued by the physical interactions.
1: I'm very scared by the physical interactions.
0: <laughs> like, just scared. I'm just scared. Well, and that's why, you know, I think that's why they specifically wrote on, their, on one of the sites I was reading about how... uh there's a good percentage of people that pay for the overnight that can't make it through the overnight.
1: You know, a lot of these places, that's so true. I mean, it just happens like that. If it's if stuff is really going on some of these places, I think just the whole vibe there and the amount of activity that happens to scare even your biggest skeptic. I'm not surprised that people just leave before it's over.
0: You know, I have to wonder, though, now you and I had a different conversation. Uh, earlier today about commercialization of things mm-hmm. and I half wonder now imagine if you're a ghost <laughs> you still kind of know what's going on because you're a ghost so wouldn't you be a little pissed off this place that you have made your eternal home has been commercialized so people can gawk at you like a zoo animal I mean maybe these ghosts are just pissed that they're being sold out is that a thing Could that yeah be a probably
1: thing? <laughs> I imagine for active ones like at Ashmore, that's quite possibly true because they seem to be active hauntings. Whereas a a lot of times, most of the hauntings we seem to encounter are the taped ones where it doesn't, it's not a sentient being. So no matter what you do, it's just going to, the woman walking down the hall is just going to be the woman walking down the hall no matter what happens. It's just a recording. Uh, So it can't really get mad. But the, the wonder, ones that are sentient, I bet, I bet they are. I get, th- I bet they are frustrated.
0: You know, kind of that. I'm not your dancing monkey. Yeah,
1: I don't want to play this game. You know, so I, mean, I wonder how that I'm plays just wondering out.
0: If sometimes that's where the scratching comes in.
1: I don't know. What's the theory. Is it acting more angry because there's so many people there? You know, is it or is it going to like some places we've seen kind of
0: fade out over time because it's just too many people? Saturated. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think the moral of my story is: I think this place is freaky as fuck. I want to go there. I want to get scratched, but I understand that not all ghosts wants to want to be my dancing monkey. And it
1: definitely sounds like these don't. They don't want anyone anywhere near their space.
0: Yeah, I mean, if someone, if something random is just throwing rocks at me, isn't that a sign of I don't want you here? Right, exactly. So, yeah, I think it's definitely a super creepy haunted place. And I'm glad that Kay um, brought it to our attention because it was definitely cool. But I just think that the ghosts in this particular place are annoyed with how they've been commercialized. Annoyed with something.
1: Or they're just, you know, or they're just like super angry ghosts for whatever reason, for sure. Yeah. So we should go and find out. Bring a Ouija board. Fuck around. Find out. Get some answers.
0: So speaking of Illinois... Now, what's your deal with Illinois? What's
1: your deal with it? I'm actually going to take us to in Chicago, Illinois, to a place that's called the Murder Castle. It wasn't originally called a murder castle.
0: Like, is it a castle for real?
1: It was a very large, I believe it was a three or four story building that had a pharmacy on the bottom and had office buildings and apartments above originally, and was then turned into a hotel and torture chamber
0: ooh, like in a SM kind of way or in a i'm not in a this kind of way.
1: serial killer and murder kind of way if that's okay. what you mean by SM, sure
0: okay okay i just want to make sure i got this frame of mind in my okay
1: okay so our killer was originally named herman webster mudgett and he is america's first known serial killer
0: never heard of him what year
1: are we talking Well, you might have heard of him by the name he takes later. So we'll get there a little bit later. In 1861, he was born in New Hampshire. Okay. And it's said that he had a pretty typical childhood. He didn't really have your typical serial killer markers. There are rumors that he was a little obsessed with skeletons. Nothing that really stands out until he gets to college. Now, he himself says that he was born with the very devil in me. And he says that uh, he had thoughts of killing people and torturing people from a very young age. Apparently he just hid it better than most serial killers do.
0: Well, and there probably wasn't a lot of people looking into that
1: type of thing back then. As far as anyone who has studied him is able to tell, he had a relatively normal childhood. Then he went to college in Vermont and he studied anatomy and he particularly liked dissection. Oh Lord. And this is about where his life as a con artist began. And what he would do was he would steal the cadavers that were set for dissection and he'd take them out and he'd drown them in a pond or he'd set them on fire or he'd drop them from a building. What the heck? Prior to doing that, he would have taken out a life insurance policy on them with him as the recipient. And then he would go and kill them, you know, quote unquote, kill them in an accident and then he would claim the life insurance policy. And apparently in the 1860-whatevers, you could you do get this. away with that. Right? Because it worked pretty well for him. He was known to kind of do this in college. And around that time, he also got married. And he was not a great husband. He was rumored to be quite abusive to his wife. And one day, he just up and left his wife and young child and just took off. Yeah. Okay. He started a rumor that he knew would get back to her that he had been in an accident on a train and had amnesia, and that's why he wasn't coming home.
0: What a loser. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's just kind of weird that he got away with all of this stuff. So he made his way around as a pharmacist, and he was later connected to some missing people and murders that happened in a lot of the cities that he would live in, including a young boy in New York State that disappeared, and then he would just leave town. He would basically go to places, kind of do a scam or two, work at the pharmacy, people would disappear, and then he'd leave. They never really connected it to him at the time, but later when he was convicted of of all these murders, they looked into his history and think he might have been connected to all these people missing in those areas. Yeah. Yeah. So he pulled this cadaver scam quite a few times in some of these different towns until the law kind of finally caught up with him. And he did a little jail time and decided to change his name. And he changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes, also known as Dr. Henry Howard Holmes or H. H. Holmes. Oh, I got you. <laughs> okay. Now you yeah, recognize the name?
0: I do. Okay. Yeah. H. H. Holmes
1: in 1885 moved to Chicago, Illinois.
0: And that's, that's when the shit started to get real.
1: That's when it really got bad. He married a woman there from a rich family. Now, keep in mind, he's still married to someone back home and has a baby. So he marries this woman from a rich family. And because he's such a, a sweet talking guy, he manages to convince banks to give him loans to buy properties all over the city. Then when the loans would come due, he'd take out loans against his, prop- his other properties with a different bank. To pay back the first bank and he just kind of kept that going for a little while until that started to come toppling down
0: well they didn't have the internet back then so they did not
1: but he funded his lifestyle for quite a while and he ended up buying a building at 63 and wallace streets that's the address of what became known as the murder castle so at the base of this was a pharmacy and he started out by working at the pharmacy and he ended up taking over and buying the whole building. While he was working at this pharmacy, he had a young woman as an assistant and she was married with a small child and he started an affair with her. When her husband found out, the husband took off, I guess, and disappeared. And the woman and the child moved in with H.H. H. Holmes and then shortly disappeared and were never seen again. Shocking surprise surprise holmes started renovations on this building on the top few floors and said that he was creating a hotel because the world's fair was coming to chicago
0: oh, okay so this was kind of connected to that time period when the fair okay that's right
1: 1893 chicago was going to host the world's fair which is the an event that was to celebrate the 400th anniversary of columbus discovering america so everyone was coming and holmes figured if he could get this as a hotel, he would get a lot of people to stay there. What he really wanted was a lot of people to stay there so he could kill them.
0: He needed some, he needed some specimens. That's
1: right. So to fund this, he started selling health elixirs and magic water out of his shop. Now the magic water just came out of the tap in the back room and the health elixirs were everything you would expect at the time, you know, basically some type of syrup and cocaine and a little bit of gin and whatever you could put into a bottle, right? So bad dude. So he's renovating this building. Now, while he's renovating it, he has a lot of strange requests and he starts going through construction crews pretty rapidly. He'd hire people, have them do a little bit of work and then fire them. And he's not paying these people and he's getting away with it by by putting the building into different people's names and then say, oh, well, I can't pay your contract was with the previous owners. And so he was using like his mother in law. He was making up fake names, doing everything he could to prevent having to pay these builders.
0: So he's really just like a very intense scam artist. Slash yes.
1: Yes. And the reason that he was hiring and firing so many contractors was so that he could keep secret the nature of what he was doing here this what, when people tedious- find out when i tell you what he had built into this hotel you'll know why he wanted to keep it secret even from the builders in this dastardly hotel were rooms that had chutes that went to the basement some of the rooms had secret hidey holes in the wall where he could hide saws and claws and knives and handcuffs he had rooms that when you shut
0: the door They were sealed literally airtight. So basically he would fire the contractors after they built him something really demented.
1: Right. And so that they couldn't kind of connect the dots as to what was happening. Right. So he built this torture chamber of a hotel with hidey holes and secret rooms and he opened it at the world's fair, knowing that people would come from all over and then could just easily disappear. So the hotel was wired from top to bottom, not only with booby traps, but also with sensors. He would have certain stairs censored, and also every single door had a sensor on it that all went back to a bell in his room. So if somebody left their room, he'd know about it. And if somebody was moving down the hall or went down the stairs, he'd know. Creeper. Right? Even back then, this is in the 1800s. I mean, can you imagine if the dude had access to video cameras? Yeah, right. Some of the rooms were fitted with locks that only opened from the outside. And they also had air vents that were connected to a separate room so that he could pipe gas into it. When someone would check in, he'd lock them in and then pipe in a gas to either knock out or kill them. Holy shit. And then he would go in and torture them in the room. And drop their body parts or their whole body down a chute from the room that went directly to this torture room that he had in the basement. Oh,
0: wow. That's what. Why do people find thrills in that?
1: He later admitted when he was caught to investigators that he had locked a woman in one of these rooms that had no exits and only locked from the outside. And then just left her there while she starved to death.
0: Damn.
1: One of the rooms was entirely made with steel walls and steel floor. Why? Why steel? And it had special holes in it so he could pipe in gas and light it on fire.
0: So were these people he knew or did he just like killing random people?
1: Most of the time it was random people, but he was also known to pick up women, particularly young visitors to the city who were in need of, you know, inexpensive lodging. He would lure them to the place and he was kind of a sweet talker. He ended up I think at one time being married to four different women at one time. So some were people that he lured in as a, a friend or as a lover. Okay. So once someone was in one of his airtight rooms, he would knock them unconscious and drop their body down a chute to the basement. And in the basement torture room, he had a torture rack that could stretch people, a dissection table and vats of quicklime and acid where he would dissolve body parts
0: that's why he kept getting rid of contractors build me some crazy shit and then i gotta get rid of you so you don't know what other crazy shit i already got he would put
1: some people into these trapped rooms and get their bodies downstairs and then torture them dissect them and sell their organs on the black market he was also a well-known supplier of skeletons to a local
0: college shouldn't we be concerned also that there was a market for that (laughs)
1: Yes. Yes, we should. While he's doing all this murdering and torturing of many people inside this freaking murder maze place, he married a third woman named Minnie Williams. And he convinced her to sign over some of her properties to him under an alias. At this time, he also befriended a man named Benjamin F. Pitzel. And Pitzel helped Holmes swindle Minnie Williams out of her money and her properties. Around this same time, Minnie's sister living in another state is starting to get worried about this brand new husband who Minnie is signing all of her properties over to. She gets all sorts of concerned and travels to Chicago to find out what's going on. She's seen with her sister going into the hotel. Never seen coming out. Neither of them were ever seen again. Now, a few years later, about 1894, Holmes is in trouble because he, all these different schemes he's got of loans to pay back loans and ditching on his contractors are starting to come back and bite him in the ass. And the police are looking into him.
0: You can only do that living in the same location for so long.
1: Exactly. So Holmes and Pitzel come up with an idea to get some money to kind of get Holmes out of this trouble. Pitzel's going to fake an identity get life insurance on himself. And then with Holmes's help, they're going to get a cadaver and fake the death of this pretend identity of Pitzel's
0: before DNA.
1: However, instead of getting a body Holmes shows up at Pitzel's house, knocks him out with chloroform and kills him in order to collect on a $20,000 life insurance policy that he had taken out with himself as the recipient in Pitzel's name.
0: Fucker on to find out.
1: Holmes went to Pitzel's house, told the wife that Benjamin had gone to Europe to take care of some business things for Holmes over there. And she believed it. She did. Worse yet. He killed her. No, no, even worse. Holmes said he was supposed to help take care of the family. And so took her three smallest children of the five that she had. Because, you know, five children is too much for a woman to care for while you're husband is away in Europe I'll just take the three smallest with me to help you out
0: yeah and they're probably locked in rooms
1: worse so once the children disappeared and Benjamin was you know not anywhere to be found and all this money is I think it was more the money than anything else that had them looking for homes they showed up at the house that Minnie his like third wife had signed over to him Mm -hmm. they find this house and search it and discover that he had been there and that's where he had taken the children they found a chest that was locked and when they opened it the two girls were inside oh my
0: god
1: later he confessed that he brought the children straight there forced the two little girls into the chest and locked it from the outside and then piped in gas to kill them from a small hole in the top of the chest the little boy all they found of him were his teeth and some hair and some small chopped up body parts stuffed up in the chimney oh my god Holmes was caught and went to trial on October 28th 1895 and of course he represented himself
0: they always do
1: police, when they went and searched the mansion, were absolutely disgusted by what they found in the murder castle. The labyrinthine-like passageways people could easily get lost in, the murder rooms.
0: He just admitted to all of this?
1: He did. He confessed to a lot of it. Officials estimated that he killed around 200 people. He confessed to killing 27, and there is proof that he killed nine. Oh my God. But because of the acid and just, you know, selling the skeletons,
0: so there's, yeah. there's only
1: so much. He is a known liar. So I don't know if that 27 number is exaggerated or if it's, you know, minimized in some way. Because absolute liar, amongst other That's terrible, awful up. things. He was found guilty and he was sentenced to death by hanging. And on May 7th, 1896, he was hung. He did not die quickly. His neck did not break. That's good. He like gurgled for about 15 minutes. That's good. He deserved it. And he was pronounced dead about 21 minutes after he was initially dropped in the hangman's noose. Karma. (laughs) Right? Reportedly, his last words were about how he wanted to be buried. He said he wanted to be buried very, very deep, and he wanted his body to be encased in concrete so that body thieves couldn't sell his organs on the black market. Nobody wants your shit, buddy. You know, he didn't want to happen to him, what he had done to so many other people. Actually, there was a rumor at one time that he was possibly Jack the Ripper and that the body that was buried there wasn't his and that he had gone on, you know, that he was actually Jack the Ripper. I guess this rumor was pervasive enough that they exhumed his body and because it had been buried in concrete like he had asked that preserved his body extremely well and they were able to get dna from the corpse and determine that that was actually hh H. holmes and so the jack the ripper theory has been laid to rest but bad enough serial killer without that i think pretty creepy
0: that is pretty creepy
1: now the murder mansion itself was renovated and was going to be an attraction And they named it Holmes's Horror Castle, but it burned to the ground shortly after opening. So pretty scary, creepy place. Can you imagine being a young woman, tourist in the Windy City? You know, you're all excited. You find this, you know, inexpensive place with this handsome, suave doctor. And then you get in the room and you're like, why are there no windows? Yeah. Why won't the door open? Why can't I breathe? You know, and then you wake up tied to a dissection table. Freaking creepy. Creepy, creepy place.
0: Or you're a little kid who thinks that someone's going to take care of you.
1: Yeah, that's that's so freaking sad. You know? So sad. The whole thing. it's just a creepy guy. So yeah, that's uh, one of America's first serial killers.
0: Wow. That guy sucks, just saying. I agree. But it's very interesting that I don't, what's going on in, in, in the mid-1800s in <sighs> Illinois?
1: I don't know. I You know, we just didn't know. We didn't know what we were doing. People right. were trying everything, I guess. There were no regulations. There was no oversight. People would just come up and be like, hey, I'm a doctor and I have a radical new way to treat people. And everyone's like, well, I don't have a clue what okay. to do with it. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right well we've tried the ice baths and the water baths and the leeches and the cocaine you know why don't you go ahead and what have you got electroshock therapy woohoo ice pick to the brain let's
0: give that a try
1: yeah yeah lobotomy
0: i'm all for it let's do this you know we're
1: in free range criminals amongst your orphans and your drunks and your widowed sad women go for it yeah right yeah just just not a good time man it was a lot of experimentation I prefer the experimentation in the 60s and the 70s. Peace, love, drugs, that experimentation, yes. Uh, lobotomy, ice baths, and free-range criminals, no. Yeah, not actually
0: up to that, but... Sex, drugs, rock
1: and roll, yes. We're there. We're there. We're there. We're, there. We're, there. We're that kind of witches, yeah. yeah.
0: It's definitely interesting, and it's definitely... It's, it's just really, it's, I don't know, it's really neat that we find all these interesting stories that we would have never really right. come across otherwise. That's the best part about this. Oh, yeah. Not only do we get to chit chat and hang out together, but we also get to kind of come across things that we might not have otherwise. Exactly. Oh my gosh, like I never would have heard of this. And this is probably one of the creepiest
1: things, creepiest, creepiest stories I have ever heard in my life. So scary.
0: And like I said, I think that this this is probably one of the creepier asylums for the physical touch factor.
1: Oh, yeah. Anything that touches you is bad news. I don't want to go anywhere near any of that.
0: Yeah. But I, I do think it's interesting. I do, too. <laughs> so... I think that we're going to wrap up for today, folks. Thank you for joining us. Lord, what are we at? Episode 55? Episode
1: 55. Thanks for joining us for episode 55 of the Stoned Witches Hour. We hope you were intrigued and scared and absolutely frightened down to your stone little toes by our two stories out of Illinois today. Maybe don't go there. Yeah, right? (laughs) It doesn't sound like a good state right now. I'm not sure. So, Illinois, please give us some good stories. Tell us some good stuff about your state, because right now we're very scared of you. It's a creepy Definitely. state, man.
0: So if, if you're in Illinois, let us know. And Kay, thanks for the suggestion, by the way, because I had a really good time.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Please send in your suggestions to the stonedwitcheshour at gmail.com or at our Instagram page at the And also next week for episode 56, which is right around. What is it right before?
0: Or right. It's. It's comes out before. We're gonna our, our episode will come out on Wednesday prior to Fat Tuesday. And so so Layla and Shell are gonna gonna check down uh see what spooks we can find in New Orleans. For those of you that are familiar, New Orleans has a very haunted history. I think every step of every street and in every inch of that town is haunted. And we're gonna go check it out.
1: Yeah, so we're going to go down to Louisiana. And tell you some amazing stories out of New Orleans, and uh, kind of celebrate Mardi Gras in our own witchy way.
0: Uh, and you know, one of these days we'll make it to Mardi Gras. But I just thought that you know, I actually had this idea. I thought we'd have fun with it. We're gonna we're gonna split up the city, folks. So grab your pipes, grab the blankies. Grab your little teddy bear to cuddle up to, because for our next episode, episode fifty-six, we're going to New Orleans, man.
1: Les bon temps roulés.
0: It'll be exciting, and 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 we'll have a good time. So join us next week. See you then.